This is Tauri Talk, the podcast from the Scuderia Alpha Tauri Formula One team. That mega, mega race. Paradise, like traffic paradise. What is this one? What the f*** is that? Hello and welcome back to Tauri Talk, the show bringing you behind the scenes inside Formula One. And what better way to do that is to speak to a couple of guys who've been around the block. Guys who bring you the stunning shots of our cars on track straight to your social media. I'm Josh the Admin and today we've got a special episode focusing on Formula One photography. I'm happy to welcome Mark Thompson and Peter Fox to the show. Guys, welcome and thanks for giving me so much of your time. Hello mate, no worries. Yeah, cool. Glad to be here, even if the bar is open. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are late at the energy station at the moment, you're right. So thank you for so much of your time. Cool. Coming up on the show, we get to know how photographers work for Formula One teams, and we get a lot of stories from our photographers who have a combined total of 60 years F1 experience. Am I right in saying that? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess that, yeah, really. So, <laughs> cut that bit out. <laughs> let's get into it. Go, let's do it. So, to take it from the top, starting with your nicknames, Peter, you are Foxy to yeah. us, and... Mark, you are Tomo to Red Bull. Not to me, but to Red Bull. Uh, and every team has a photo agency to cover race weekends, and we, alongside Red Bull Racing, use Getty Images. That's correct. The world's premier image provider. They're going to enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> so you both work for Getty, and you've been in the sport for how many years now, roughly each? Uh, well, I started in uh, 88, 89. Yeah. Right. And I've kind of... Done F1. And that was in the 1988, not 80s. 1988, uh, yeah, 89. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's when in I Victorian first came. Yeah, got the right century. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Just. So, I mean, when Pete started taking pictures, it was like horse and cart racing. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking, right? <laughs> You've got the pictures? <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, um, and, yeah, you, sorry. you Tomo? Uh, similar time, like 89, 90. Um, yeah, around about that time yeah. when I got out of prison. And Tomo, you're primarily... <laughs> You're primarily Rebel Racing's photographer. You're wearing the Rebel Racing top right now, even with your name on it. They didn't. They gave you a nickname. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's kind of. A, well, you're, you're obviously Australian, yes. and uh, obviously, the Australians tend to shorten things down. And yeah, uh, we're lazy with our. I think language. it was uh, it was Weber actually that sort of started calling me Tomo. Um, really, amongst other things, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of stuck really. So that's that that kind of Australian uh, kind of vibe really that you shorten everyone's name down. So. And Foxy, you are primarily our photographer. You're not wearing our top at the moment because it's probably you on trackside today. I'm saving it for race day. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're trackside today. I know. I'm just you're just pulling your chain. So um, you're both in our garages quite a lot. So what extra roles do you have when it comes to being a team photographer as opposed to a photographer on track? I mean, you need to juggle both, correct? Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're working for a team, you've, you've got like uh, all the hos all the hospitality, all the special requests that come in from people like you and the uh, marketing people. So you kind of have ideas of photos that you want to do creatively, but you also have to make sure that you're covering all the kind of commercial stuff that's done in and around the paddock area and the pits. Um, and Monaco being is quite a unique track because you're very limited to where you can go read the pit lane, etc. And because the paddock and the pits are very separate, it's a unique track in that you're kind of chasing your tail a bit because you actually just want to be out on track because there's so many amazing pictures. But like today, I needed to come back and photograph uh, the drivers being interviewed after quality for social media feeds. 
which normally is quite easy because you can just wander back and do the pits and do that. But because it's separate here, you're really sort of do a few shots at the top, then legging it down to finish that request. So it's, uh, yeah, you're, you're not just going out doing creative pictures. You're making sure that everyone's happy, which places like Monaco is. Yeah, and you touched on it just then is that we are currently in Monaco for the Grand Prix. This won't go out until a bit later down the track. Right. Um, but, yeah, just to speak about that, like Tom as well, because yeah, I mean, there's I'm, about a five-minute walk between the hospitality area, especially because we are on the water, yeah. and the pit lane. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, longer actually on race day. It takes probably 10 minutes to get into the pit lane. But, it, I mean, it is, it, this is a unique race based around the amount of hospitality and, and massive corporate guests, the big hitters, all want to be here. You know, if you're the you're the boss of Oracle, you're going to want to come to you're going to be invited and come to the Monaco Grand Prix. So that's that puts extra pressure on us guys, obviously, because you know they're all on the energy station. They'll all be on the grid tomorrow. They will want to be photographed on the grid. Want to be photographed with the car. That all seems pretty straightforward, but um, it's obviously really really small grid here, and uh, guests <laughs> do tend to get lost as Foxy will, will tell you. Know you end up going looking for someone, maybe like uh, in Miami recently. I was trying to pull the CEO forward to the, you know, just wandering around, not aimlessly, but, you know. On enjoying the himself. Yeah, enjoying yeah. himself, looking yeah. at other cars and stuff. We've got very limited time on that grid uh, before we have to, you know, leave the grid and get up yeah, there's to, a hard to the first off. corner. Yeah. So so you've got to really maximise your time and, and make sure you get that. So And it's obviously a very different world to when you guys began. Could you go through how you got into photography and how you decided you wanted to get into Formula One going back? into the 80s? I just, basically, I took up photography as a hobby and I had no real proper formal training. And I went to uh, evening classes, sort of, you know, at a, at a college in Northamptonshire. And, uh, and the guy that was teaching photography there said to me, you know, you're a natural, you know. Uh, and I said, well, what? <laughs> you know, and anyway, he won't go down that route. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but he just said, you know, and, and so from, from there, when I, I started doing a bit of work, uh, for a local uh, photographer called Bob Thomas, who used to be the FIFA photographer and, and a very well-known football photographer. And it just grew from there, really. And I ended up very shortly after that turning professional full-time as a freelance and then roller-coasted into working for, uh, for Getty. And when did you start working for Getty? Getty bought the company I was working for, which was Allsport, Allsport Photographic, which is a specialist sporting agency. I can't remember when that was, but it was about 24, Five years, 20, 25 yeah. years now with Getty, or all sports really? stroke Getty, yeah. yeah, so. And has it always been Formula One once you're with uh, the... No, I mean, I used to, I mean, I was more of a specialist sort of football photographer, really, when I started taking pictures. Football and rugby, I did an awful lot of, did a lot of, a lot of travelling with football, going to some, some amazing countries, actually, that, that Formula One obviously doesn't go to, like Cameroon, mm. Ghana, the Ivory Coast, a lot of African countries, Colombia, and, you know, a few of those South American countries, Peru, and all those places, so... That was pretty, pretty um, good fun doing that for football as well. So, uh, but then I just, uh, I literally, wasn't when I was working at Allsport, they said, oh, do you want to go and do a couple of Grand Prix? And I was, I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I mean, I've always loved motor racing. I've never been an anorak, as, as you'd call it. And that's a mega fan, by the way. Um, but I just love the shape of the cars and stuff. You know, I just yeah. think they're beautiful. So, yeah, so I did that, a bit of MotoGP in the early 90s and uh, ended up, Getting washed on this beach. So when was your <laughs> first race? What year was that? First accredited race would have been, uh, for me, as a accredited FIA yeah. photographer, was uh, Donington, 93, when Senna smashed. So 
The wet one. Yeah, the wet. Yeah, that was your first yeah. race. Yeah, yeah. So first as accredited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I used to sneak into the other ones when there was no electronic passes, but let's not talk about that. Uh, Silverson, obviously. Yeah. Did you bring your camera with those? Yeah, ob- yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, I don't know how yeah. old you were. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't sneak in to watch it. I snuck yeah. in to, to take, to take, to take pictures because yeah. in those days there was no electronic passes, so yeah. you could essentially, you know, if you were a bit of a blagger, and all my friends were. No, <laughs> he most. certainly is. Uh, but that was, uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you, you he's know. in the Oxford Dictionary. So, uh, <laughs> so that's how, really how it, I got, you know, starting it. But then, then when I started with all sport, I started doing official races properly. Yeah, and you know, I did a bit of MotoGP for uh, Lucky Strike Suzuki as well, and that was really good fun. And Foxy, you had a bit of a different uh, entry into Formula One because you kind of walked your way up the ladder, correct? I got into photography. My sister bought me a camera when she, when I was nine for being a page boy at her wedding. And I was hooked on how you can just press a button and capture an image forever on a little sort of 110 cassette camera. I worked in a camera shop on Saturdays and then ended up being there full time after leaving school. And a journalist would come in and he was a uh, photojournalist and get his films processed. And in those days, we used to go through everyone's photos and have a look at them. <laughs> they told us they didn't do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did, yeah. And you'll be amazed that <laughs> the person that walks in and the photos they're picking up, you'd never put that. Anyway, he... Um, he was a motorsport photojournalist and we got chatting and he, long story short, got me uh, some passes for F3 race at Thruxton when Mick Hakkinen and uh, Alan McNish were doing Vauxhall Lotus, European Vauxhall Lotus. So that was 1988, 89. And from there, I got an interview at Zoom Photographic which was uh, one of the top motorsport agencies in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, doing all the Marlborough camera work, working with Senna and Prost and PK and Satoru Nakajima, et cetera, et cetera. And I was darkroom sort of junior, so I learned black and white printing, processing, then I went on to colour and basically worked in the darkroom for two years and then was let out as a photographer. So I started, my first race was about... Silverstone 88, I went in, a bit like Mark, really, or Tomo, where I got a pass and the, the earliest memory I have is Pierre Carlo Ginzali breaking down in an, in an Ocella at Beckett's. At Silverstone? <laughs> at Silverstone. And he got out in front of me and I was just like, wow, you know, that's Pierre Carlo Ginzali. And I was completely hooked from there on in. And then I stayed working at Zoom for three years and then worked got went to working for another agency called words and pictures that had started up and i was like chief photographer darkroom manager pro, film process i did everything it was great because i was doing all the what i'd done at zoom but also going out photographing f1 and we got the contract when schumacher signed for jordan with eddie jordan racing in 1992 was it 92 yeah uh, we were the official photographers so that was like for me that was like I didn't know how amazing Schumacher was going to be. But I had met him at a place called Deep Holtz earlier in the year when he was doing German F3. He was German F3 champion. I remember asking him for a photograph and he wouldn't acknowledge me. And he turned around to me and just went, wait. He knew you had to wait your turn. You had- and he never forgot. And he never, ever gave me a portrait for it. He's still forever. waiting. <laughs> Fox is still Every waiting. Every time I'd ask for a portrait again, no. <laughs> So just to set the set it clear, you wanted a photograph of him 
yes. to, por- to make a portrait. Because, yeah, just to, yeah. not to get confused. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's like he he never forgot that moment. It was classic. Yeah. Just to interrupt, that. So once you meet Foxy, you know, you either love him or, or, you, love or him. you don't. I <laughs> know <laughs> you don't, actually. You either love him or, you know, you just run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I did that. And then basically, long story short, because we'd gone forever, I just kind of carried on doing uh, F1. Then I did MotoGP with an agency called Golden Goose for about five years, which is brilliant. World Superbikes, BSB, uh, MotoGP, and the Isle of Man TT, which is something everyone should go to. Mm. Amazing uh, event to photograph. Still can't quite believe it's actually allowed to run still because it's so dangerous. And then started in F1 with these guys in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you got... Moved to our team. Yeah, that's when uh, basically Toro Rosso started. 2006. So we had an agency before that, yeah. and then they got the yeah. Getty contract that's in 2007. Right. Yeah, and I yeah. was brought in to help that, and then like all these things... It Couldn't just, get rid of you. It, yeah. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Well, the, right. it, Yeah, it just balloons the amount of yeah. work that comes mm-hmm. in. And so just to keep, to keep it back in like the 90s and stuff, you mentioned earlier on that like you've worked with people like... Alain Prost and Ed and Senna. What's it like? I mean, both of you, because you've worked yeah. with some amazing, massive names. Mm. Looking back on that now, what was that like? Either reminiscing back in that time, or yeah, anyone. <laughs> uh, well, I was young, so for me, it was like godlike status. You had to wait for them to talk to you first, and then say, "Okay, also, I got a camera. I need to do my job." Yeah, I mean, they were different then because they were older. The, the F1 drivers yeah. were older, so there was a different kind of. You had a, there was a lot more respect because they were much older than you. Mm-hmm. The, the, the drivers were all a group sort of thing. So even though they were they were much older than us, there was much more camaraderie in the paddock because there wasn't quite so much corporate stuff going on. So everyone kind of knew each other. So as long as you... If you did nice pictures, then they would sort of notice you. And I remember one time how I made a connection with Senna, not that I did it for that. I took a picture of him in qualifying in Estoril when he was just about to go out on his final lap and like all the drivers, they kind of go into a zone where he's looking at you, but he's looking past you. His, yeah, yeah. You're just in his way really. And you had in Estoril, you had the, the light would shine through the gap in the garage with the door, because it literally was a garage door that went up and it would just be, it was just his eyes. And then he moved and it was just one of his eyes and he was just looking straight through me. And then he went out and did his qualifying lap. So, and in those days, we were shooting slide film. So I had no idea what it looked like. And I just thought, wow, that's going to be quite powerful. I hope it's sharp. Got the films processed and was like, wow, that's incredible. And I didn't really do that at the time. It's very different now. Everyone goes and gives uh, prints to drivers and stuff and social look media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, look at me. But I kind of just thought it's a really nice... If I was a racing driver, I'd quite like that, even mm. though, you know, he's dead and suddenly he's got plenty of great photos. Anyway, long he... He came up to me when I, I I handed it to not to yeah I did I handed it to him that's right at um, at Heathrow, and he just sort of took it off me, and sort of acknowledged it. But that was it. Didn't I'll look at it later? Just, yeah, yeah. And then a couple of races later, he just came up to him and wow, that was amazing. Thank you very much. That is amazing. And I was like uh, uh, completely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never been one personally for like getting sort of starstruck with, with drivers. If if it was like people, like, for instance, Mick Jagger walked in mm. or Paul McCartney, it would freak me out completely, you know. Mm. But I don't think, you don't really get, you sort of get on with them really and just, and 
I've always been one when I've been photographing people, you know, to, to sort of be a bit jokey with them, try and, yeah, you know, try absolutely. and just be relaxed. Very rarely have I been nervous or anything like that. And I still don't get nervous around people. But if a mega guest turns up, like it's, you know, I don't know, like when Paul McCartney turned up in Abu Dhabi a few years ago, it just freaked me out, you yeah. know, completely because it's just a massive hero. But the drivers essentially, I respect them, but they're not heroes, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, it's your job yeah. at the end of the day. Th- that's correct, yeah. yeah. You need to set aside any kind of yeah. like what, uh, fan thing you have with yeah. with the sport. And it's like when you're on the inside as well, you've, they're just ordinary people. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. just very talented, ordinary people, yeah. obviously, you know. And I think you just you kind of you don't take them for granted. You should never do that, but you you know you will take your job for granted. But it just makes it a lot easier, you know, if you can swear at them and say do this. Well, yeah, I was just going to say yeah. you're both very mouthy, <laughs> and especially like Tom. Yeah. I think you're you're a lot more pr- provocative as well. Yeah, I think so. Do you think that gets like a better reaction with pictures sometimes when you're doing shoots? Like, do you get anything extra? Yeah, I think if you make, like if you're doing something and you can make someone laugh, do you know what I mean? And yeah. make them smile. Without being, you know, you can't insult people, you know. Um, occasionally you can. Yeah. <laughs> but you I don't know if you're being truthful insult, or not. Driver, but like, you know, you certainly get, some drivers are easier to, to photograph, or, or people, let's say, mm. within most, but are easier to photograph than others. You know, like Daniel Ricciardo is always going to give you a picture. He's always going to smile. He's a great guy, you know. Other drivers are a little bit more serious and not perhaps as relaxed in front of the camera. But when you're not got the camera on them, they're pretty chilled out but you have to try and make them laugh and, and relax and at the end of the day all drivers want to do is drive cars or play computer games these days isn't it? <laughs> um so the quicker you are doing the picture you know the happier they are but it has to be good otherwise you know you haven't done your job properly exactly yeah so exactly. but they just want you to be fast bang drivers want to be fast at everything And just to keep it back on to like the start of your careers, you know, you hear a lot of stories of a lot of freelancers and, and young ones such as yourselves, still quite young, uh, slumming it in their first years to make it into Formula One because they know they've got that dream and, and they've got to do whatever they can to get there. You've had a bit of a different entry into the sport, but what kind of stories or challenges did you face early on in your first couple of years? I think similar challenges to, to anyone, really. You've got to, you know, you've got to put your name out there. You know, you know despite what I said, you know, no one came along i still had to push myself and you still have to do that and you have to do that now you know and so we were shooting like foxy said we were shooting film it's a lot more di- difficult now you can show someone what you've taken on the back of a camera and there's a whole new generation of photographers coming through they have no concept and they've, they've never shot film you know and i think i'm not saying that that makes them you know worse photographers than we were but definitely what you had no margin for error when you were shooting films you couldn't shoot twenty thousand pictures in a weekend you know, you probably shot, what do you say, 50, 60 rolls of film? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, over a whole weekend. So, and you, I think it taught, it taught you a little bit more about thinking about the picture a little, you know. Um, but, I mean, even we're guilty now. We should use digital. I'd, I'd shoot a lot more frames than I would have done, obviously, you know. Yeah, but, if you had the tools. Exactly. So, you use it. But, but also, the thing that, that shooting slide film, you know, there's no margin for error on, without getting too nerdy. For exposures, you had to get it spot on. And I think you, you had to do that in the camera. You know, there was no Photoshop then. So Ironically, with everyone's now walking around with a mobile phone in their hand yeah. or a smartphone, we were walking around with light meters. Yeah. So we would literally be like this all the time with a camera here and a light meter and then taking pictures. Mm. So, so you, you literally, for the exposure, to get the exposure right. And you were kind of a lot more 
kind of knew instinctively when something was like a five under the F8, F if the sun's out or if the yeah. sun's gone in, it's, you know, five under the two eight or whatever. Um, just to explain what you were doing, you were holding your hand up into the, towards the sky saying, okay, there's yeah. a light. Well, you had a light meter. So yeah. it was actually a, a machine that read, read light. Don't move away from the microphone. I bet you <laughs> probably think that I was banging. Yeah, it's actually miming it. Are we, are yeah. we being filmed here, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Marcel so, Marceau. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you had a light meter. So you were literally very kind of like aware of what light was. Light was very important. Um, whereas now, it, it, it is now, but with the digital concept, you can kind of do it on your computer. You can fix it. So you can fix a mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also you can create something that actually maybe you didn't know how to do. Mm. You're using some software to create an image, whereas before you had to actually wait for the right light. You had to go to part of the track at the right time of day to get that effect because you, otherwise you wouldn't get it. And also you had to be very good at pre-focusing and focusing car, uh, focus on the track to to make sure that... Uh, for instance, if you were doing a shot like today, I try and do it to keep my eye in because with these automatic cameras now it's so easy just to press a button that follows focus and it basically does everything for you i mean you could stay i'm in bed if you wanted to but in the selling us very well there foxy thank you <laughs> <laughs> and about the, the cameras but if you um you pre-focused on the track just before the visor comes into focus you take the picture yeah, in other words, it, it was a, like the, the nose cone of the, of the car, wasn't it? More or less, as soon as like... No, it was the, the visor, the, the actual visor on the helmet, just before that comes sharp, depending on the... Like, through the swimming yeah. pool, because it's so fast. Yeah, I mean, we always just, I always just do like just, just the, like a logo on the front of the car, like, like on the top of the car, as soon as that was bang, and then it would be... Yeah. That's why well, my pictures are sharper than yours, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good the, we've got contrasting approaches to, to shooting in Monaco. No, but I, I mean, it. it's, it's depends but on the corner, the same, really, as well. All round, really. But, you know, it's kind of, we all have different shooting styles and stuff like that. And that's the other thing. But that's not to erode, you know, young photographers or any photographers today, you know. But there's certainly quite a lot of people that are polishing their pictures with Photoshop. And, and just, just to give you a, a brief, I mean, obviously you know, but we are actually transmitting our pictures straight from the camera with a, with a uh, transmitter that's plugged into the camera to our editors back in the UK. So we can't, you know, and they haven't got time, you know, literally, for instance, you know, if you're out on track, you know, the first lap, bang, bang, you take a few pictures, you have to, they're sent within, hopefully, depending on the bandwidth, within a couple of minutes to the desk, but you, you're looking for those for your social feed straight Absolutely. away. So, yeah. so within like two laps, you should have a. So you, there's no room for that. There's no room for you know polishing them up or you can lighten them and darken them. But you, we still have to essentially. You get can it get correct. technical here because like this is very important. I think because everyone you know everyone has social media these days and yeah. they want to know why that the start of the race has happened. Mm. They can take a photo themselves, send it directly to their phone, and post it on Instagram within. Yeah. 90 seconds to, yeah. you know it, it yeah. is that instant sometimes just to explain it in depth a bit more how agencies work like you just said you would take a picture yeah then try your best to transmit it because there's 300,000 people on their phones on their phones yeah. recording the exact same thing you're mm. shooting it maybe gets to the desk within two laps three that's it that's at best yeah. because I'm there yeah. on the other end waiting as well so I know when cool. it comes yeah and then you've got the editor who's on that day getting a bunch of pictures from you. You've got maybe Foxy at yeah. like turn six, also sending stuff. He gets the main Probably shots. six or seven photographers yeah. sending at yeah, the same sending time. Yeah, sending at the same time. He, he picks what he needs. Yeah. 
he does a bit of color adjustment. Yeah. Lightens it up if he needs to, darkens it up yeah. if, if, if just crop in a little bit maybe if there's something yep. in the frame that and then immediately like, sending it out it's, it's gone out yeah and, and that's really quick but that that is you know if you want to work in the media and and that's that's how you do it i mean that is there's no there's no time to to polish it and do too much with it so we we are essentially still doing shooting like we were with film yeah and that's that's a, a skill as well you know to do that um you know there's certain photographers that, that turn up at races there's some here this weekend that that are not they don't transmit you know they're they're just I don't know what they are when they just they go back and they Photoshop them and stuff and they're different it's a it's different, different brief it's a different it? brief so but like it's no good to people like yourself you know that need need those pictures yeah, and it's just getting it's just getting more demanding yeah. every year I mean, I've is, been in this yeah. job for a long time now yeah. mm. and just you can see everyone mm. kind of upping their own strategies on on yeah. their own social media channels you know like, okay well then how can we do that and different social media channels mm. have different algorithms to support exactly so and also the file sizes are quite large that we send they're well. getting bigger so yeah, yeah they're yeah, getting I, bigger so it's crazy that yeah. just, like i noticed that yeah. you guys are using different cameras now yeah. you're you've moved to digital mostly yeah. foxy yeah. you haven't <laughs> <laughs> but no i have definitely seen no like, i love this don't get me wrong no, no. it's fantastic yeah. it's just it's just it's just very different but there you yeah. go like so i'm in the garage waiting for photos to come through and they finally yeah. come through and they're yeah. 10 megabytes whereas back a few years ago yeah. there were two or three max yeah. well also that's the problem now is because f1 also itself f1 productions is using so much more digital as well. yeah. they're using so much bandwidth i don't have any of the figures but the amount of bandwidth mm. that it must be used yeah. up at a race. And if you've got like all the fans as well, it's, it's incredible. So some races like today was sending was actually easy. Yeah. It wasn't bad. I thought yeah. it would be really difficult. It's been difficult here for, for many years, but it's really, it's been really good. Moment, actually, it's so really good. So I don't know what they've done. They're probably, um, but other races, you, know. you can't get anything out. You literally have to go back to the media center and send because we get to Barcelona. We could be glowing. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> we get going on with this bandwidth. Somebody, I was actually thinking that today. I was, like, I was sending a picture from uh, start quality and it's like, it was gone in like 30 seconds. And I was like, blimey, you know, I was, I was, I was, and that's the amazing thing about Getty because of their global reach. You take a picture, and within like two or three minutes, it's literally global, and that blows my mind. That kids in the middle of the jungle in yeah. India, if they're online, can look at the photograph that you've taken here, yeah. and and it literally is all around the world, and that's amazing. And part of that also is due to social media. So, on the topic of change, how did you follow like the decline of print into digital and then into social media? Because obviously, you've seen everything. Did you follow it? Well, were you a bit resistant? Like, obviously, I was, res- I was resistant to it a little bit. I mean, Everyone's I, I, I wasn't pooping it. I mean, it's like my daughter still says to me, you should put more on Instagram, Dad. You know, you've got to be more proactive. And it's not because cause I don't like it, because I do like it, you know, but I, I just, it's just that after a day of working, yeah. you know, like, you know, I did 28,000 steps yesterday, you know, and um, <laughs> I was on a, wall, on a treadmill, but I did 28,000 <laughs> steps around the track yesterday. And you get back and it's like hot and sweaty. And like, do you really want to sort of put You've done your job. on Instagram? Yeah. So, so, but, but going back to that, I think you've got to move forward with technology, you know. I mean, certainly, I, whilst I miss shooting film, I'm certainly glad I don't have to get back, process it, look at it on a light box the next day and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So... I, I agree with, with Tomo, but there is a bit of the romantic in me that loves the fact that you've got this bag of film and you've no idea really what's in there. And then you kind of, the first strip you put down on the light box and you, you put your loop to it. But it is a bit of a, it, 
it used to take up, you'd be up all night, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. You'd literally, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you'd find the first person, you'd, you'd desperately try and find yeah. people in the paddock yeah. who were going home. So you'd just so give them the film. film. film yeah. Yeah. So that when you land, um, it's processed. So you'd give film on the Saturday, maybe, after qualifying to people that were going home. And then you'd land and the film yeah. would be ready for you to look at. Or, you or you'd find, them. at Estoril, we used to go to, across to the um, shopping centre. Yeah. And there was a place that processed C6. Yeah. Quickly, this is something that I think is really quite interesting. We take a picture and we're talking about the global reach of our images within minutes. Before digital was there, you would literally take the, for instance, like black and white. You'd shoot colour and black and white. Mm -hmm. You'd have two cameras to shoot colour on black and white. You would find in the media centre, like a broom cupboard or a store cupboard, and you would have to mix up all the chemicals to process the film and you go in that cupboard, you get some black gaffer tape and seal it all up. And then you do it all in the dark, process the film. You'd then dry it with a hairdryer and then you put it and cut it into strips. And then you had a scanner. This will have to be carried to the yeah. track that yeah. you'd then scan it with a little laptop yeah. and then send that picture to, so it was about an hour to an hour and a half to get a picture out. Yeah. Plus you've got to carry all this stuff. Whereas now you should carry big Kodak scanners on, onto planes and they were big. I mean, they were like the size of that photocopier there. That like they'd be in a bag, and that, and and also chemicals as well. And it's just like no one questioned it. Um, I still can't quite believe we used to do that. I know. So, moving on to photographs itself today, what is a photographer's best friend? To be able to 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 enjoy light, to be able to feel light. To understand, to, understand to, how light works yeah, yeah but to love to like love the concept of light the different times of the day the same scene during the day it just changes so much and to learn to understand how light is uh is so is what well, it's all about it's all about light and also how, how how the camera how you use a camera to how a camera uses light that's the other thing as well without getting too too sort of complicated yeah. about it I mean, I, I'll be honest, I find modern cameras just freak me out a little bit, you know, because there's so much on them. Well, essentially, you know, when we used film cameras, there was like an, uh, you had the aperture, you know, you set the shutter speed and there wasn't too much to it. Now the cameras we've got now, basically these massive computers, you know, that's inside these cameras that you can, I mean, some of the stuff on my, if my camera flashes up at me, it's like, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just want to take a picture. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it, you know, ideally, you just want a manual camera. Yeah, that's it. But yeah. you have to you you buy all these cameras. You don't use any of the features because, to be honest, you just need a shutter speed and an aperture. Yeah, but they can't. Manufacturers won't make it's those still, cameras it's because still a box, the, box that, that light travels through. Absolutely, but it's just like they're just like rocket ships now. So, and what do you think makes a good photograph and a good photographer? There's element of luck involved, isn't there? Yeah, Obviously, kind as, of. As, especially in sport, I think. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, if you're like if you're shooting football, for instance, let's just go off, you know, like or, or you know, and you get a you, you get a mega goal, the celebration goes your way, you know, generally you're gonna get if you've got that, that that's your element of luck. You've still got to photograph it, you've still gotta make sure it's you know, it's done correctly, you've not cut arms and legs and heads off and all that sort of stuff. And composition is really important as well. And also backgrounds. Backgrounds, you know, yeah. backgrounds. Backgrounds are still massively important. I mean, the amount of, amount of photographs I see on certain people's laptops, I mean, and you look at the background and there's a portaloo in the background. There's like a car going through a chicane, and, you know, and there's like Bob's, Bob's toilets for rent, mate, yeah. 
on the back of it. Whereas if you stood five feet to the left or <laughs> yeah. right, you wouldn't have that in yeah. the background. So yeah, backgrounds are really important. So this is interesting because that brings me to another point that I've just thought of that when you guys do track walks, like we do track walks as part of the team going in the direction of the track. Mm. I know photographers do it reverse. Yeah. That's because right. you need to find... You see, how the cars would be coming out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which some people, I don't think people, many people know that. They just probably think, you know, you've seen other people's work and you'd go and do it. But you would, okay, maybe not now because we're going to similar tracks, but maybe when we go to new Qatar tracks. again, new tracks yeah, and, yeah, and Vegas, walk, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be walking yeah. this in reverse. Yeah, definitely. Will we still be around when we go to Vegas? Will we still be alive then, do you think? We're going to last this season. But no, yeah, it is. Yeah, indeed, I, you know, I don't think Vegas is going to be that. You know, there's essentially a couple of pictures there that I think are going to be, it's obviously going to be the cars running down the strip because after that they go behind mm. all the trash cans and stuff. <laughs> they don't think they do. But it is going to be, that's all about that. And that's the shot there. We all know that's going to be the picture. And also when you, very, I know, very quickly, is that when you go to a track, you're also looking not just, you know, the shape of the track, but also where the sun is. Yeah. Going back to the light thing so you can understand where the light is. I think essentially you've got to just... You've got to have an eye and you've got to have a passion for it. And, you know, instinctively, you've got to enjoy light. I know it's a bit cliched, but you... I hear this every second weekend, don't worry. Oh, the light's <laughs> going to be good, so I'm going to go to turn <laughs> seven. Yeah, photographers are always, always... I mean, I don't, but people always... So it's always moaning about light, but... You know, and always moaning about this and, and that. But it, I think, essentially, also the other thing is, like, when I was learning photography, I used to buy loads of photographic magazines. Uh, you probably did the same. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. You probably stole yours, I bought, I bought mine. But um, so, and you just look to look, like even like amateur photographers, some brilliant, brilliant amateur photographers, insane. Like you look, even now you look for amateur photographer and you're like, How, that's amazing, landscape photographers and people that, you know, could essentially be professional photographers. And I used to look at it and I used to, you know, and also going through old motorsport magazines, you know. Grand like, International. Um, yeah. Bernard Assay, yeah, who's actually upstairs in the media centre you know, today. They're legends and like Paul-Henri Caillé and, 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 you know, and, and just going through some of their pictures, looking at them and thinking, how did they do that? And, and uh, you know, and the Japanese photographers mm. as well, you know, they shoot very, very low, very low light and all that sort of stuff. But just looking at that and thinking, how did they do that, you know? Well, that was the Japanese magazines were the kind of in the mid nineties were the ones that we all aspire to be in because yeah. they used pictures in a different way. And they, they were such good quality magazines, you know, they must've cost a fortune to make, but they were so thick and the ink, you could smell the ink. Um, they were like picture books and, you know, every, every month had come out. Um, that would be the one thing about digital that I miss is the fact that the quality of the magazines because you see stuff online, you see it on a phone or whatever, but actually holding a magazine and yeah. going through yeah. and looking at those photographs, that is one thing you can't replace. And, and that is quite sad that you've seen that erosion of um, print media and it's gone, you know, essentially... In print, motorsport. It, yeah, but in anything, I think, because, like, you know, we're from a generation where, you know, I would, like, from the age of, like, 13, religiously buy the New Musical Express, going back on some music now, but every week enemy get the enemy uh probably wouldn't get melody makers for hippies but um and and the same then when i got into you know motorsport photography buying motorsport magazines and like you know uh, and just stuff like and just looking at obviously reading and but looking at pictures and and just some great great photographers but also with magazines because there wasn't social media you didn't you didn't you only had what was on tv 
So a magazine was a real source of inspiration. And, you know, you'd look at your, your heroes or you'd look at the, the, the drivers and all the people that you were interested in and you didn't get to see them very much. Now it's just such an overflow of, of imagery and information that it kind of, not the magic's gone, but the magic's kind of not there. because it's too much, to, it's it's, too it's, much information It's now. saturation. Whereas wow. then you'd open the magazine up and it was like, wow. And then you kind of, you really have to wait till the next month for the next one. And, yeah. and I know it sounds like an old man, but that, 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 that was actually quite magical, both for people buying the pictures and photographers to see how they'd use your images. You know, you where, know. whereas Instagram is cool, right? Well, you know, yeah, absolutely. Apart from those stupid videos they're putting on. If you're listening to Instagram, stop doing that because you're not TikTok. But, um, you know, so uh, well, I'm on TikTok, folks, if you want to see me. But anyway, <laughs> so, but like, because you can just flick past it and you don't look at it but like when you opened a magazine you used to look at it you know you, you pause and you know that's why still images are always if you look at a moving image your mind is still constantly moving with that moving image but if you look at a still image you know like some of the iconic historic pictures your brain does stop and look at it and thinks about it and that's why still images are still key to this day it lets your so mind do the work in, as well yeah but you look at it and then you have to think about it. Whereas mm. if the image is still moving, you're it's trying to keep up with it. Yeah. So, Absolutely. so, so that's, that's why, you know, that's why people have art on their wall, isn't it? And stuff, you know, and, and people still love photography, yeah. but, but it is a shame that, that, that physical side of, of um, art and photography is gone and the NME has gone as well, <laughs> which is really sad. Yeah. To, to bring it back to F1, what are the best tracks to take pictures at? The best and worst. Suzuki for me is one of the best. Yeah, yeah, I'd snap really. I love it. It's great. Which one? Suzuki. Suzuki. Yeah, 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 I mean, it's just it's just uh, old school, dangerous because yeah. the cars. You know, you're very close, yeah. and it's just such a quick track. The drivers love it, and it's just again when the sun's shining, the lights amazing because yeah. of the time of yeah. year. Although it's like it rains there quite. A lot. It rains a lot, but even <laughs> the rain yeah. because. You just—it's the shape to it. It's undulating. Yeah. It's got—it's just got a great, great vibe to it, and it's, it's like, a great location. And it's the classic scale electric track. Yeah. It's a figure of eight. Mm -hmm. Remember when you had scale electric when you were a kid? Absolutely. You, yeah. yeah. I mean, we probably have more computers now, but we sound like we're really poo-poo in the modern age. But but it is such a great track, and it's a. Uh, when we walk around there, then it's great. You walk out and you go out to where the spoon is, and you know you're hacking through bamboo and. Stuff like that, and you the know, fans. So, and the fans, and the fans, the fans are bonkers. Fans are, they're, bon they're great, especially now. You know? Yuki's obviously yeah. part yeah. of the scene. Yeah, it's so, great. So that's great. Um, I like that. I like. I kind of like Singapore. That night vibe. It's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, Monza, just because it's again traditional racetrack yeah. with a real sort of passionate fan base and its location in the middle of uh, just outside Milan. Sorry, that area, Lombardy, I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's just old. Italy it hasn't changed since you know when they were racing there in the fifties. And again, when it's sunny there, it's oh. it's you know, and it's not a, an amazing track for pictures. Is it? There's a few pictures there because it's very straight and, but it's just nice and it's just that whole. And, and that, we're you there know. in the autumn, so yeah. it's that European. I mean, okay, Suzuka's not Europe, but it's the end of the year soft sort of like light you get. And they've also like done incredibly with that podium. That's a mega podium, yeah. you know. Yeah. That really is, you know, something really special. Uh, with the fans and stuff. And tracks that are difficult to... Where should we start? Pursue. It doesn't um, have to be about the scenery. It could just I be like challenges that, that, are, that are present. I think challenges like, like Azerbaijan is not an easy track to shoot at because security-wise, you can't... You've got to be in place really bef like an hour and a half before the cars hit the track and you can't really move around there that much. So, you, know, you don't argue with the security guards there even though you're allowed to go into that 
thing that's like, you know, you can't come in. So they have, what do they call them, um, dirty and clean areas, yeah, don't they? Yeah. So they're, they're basically security, very security conscious. There's a few nice pictures there, but it, it is one part of the track where the pits are and that is, is, is not great for pictures. And the other bit, which is, you know, a couple of miles away is, is, is the best part. And getting from one place to the other is very difficult. Yeah. So logistically, that's not great. Saudis do a, Saudi's not a great place for pictures. No. It's, you know, it comes alive at night time, but actually from a photographic point of view during the day, it's very, very difficult. You know, people say to me like, oh, that, you know, like Miami looks mega and it must be great for pictures when Miami isn't actually a great track for photographically. Again, it's difficult for us to get around, mm. you know, logistically, you know, the cars are only on track for a, for two hours a day. And sometimes they might not do that many laps. That's the other thing. You know, people seem to think they do hundreds of laps. But, you know, like like here in Monaco, if you get get a red flag, it can completely scupper your session. So we've gone from having an hour and a half, uh, three hours on a Friday to two hours, you know. And when we have sprint races, it's less. So mm. it does sort of taper off and um, make things a little bit more difficult. Silverson's not a great track for photography, is it? Really? Uh, Silverson's a funny one. I was talking to a photographer about it the other day. That it's if it's grey and dull, it's really difficult. If it's sunny and you've got those lovely sort of like Magritte clouds, you can do lots of sort of yeah. widey stuff, and it's kind of like a bit of sort of like a painting or whatever. And it's such a quick track. So you got corners like Beckett's in Quali is just awesome. Um, and if it's wet because it's so open, you can get some great rooster trails yeah, yeah. and sort of spray stuff. So it's one of those tracks that. It needs the light because uh, if it's a grey, dull day, then you, you struggle a bit. And it looks great. For, you look at when I, I always watch races about mostly when I get home, and you look at Silverstone and you've got the helicopter shots, you know. Yeah. And it looks so green and beautiful, you know. And it's like, but when you're actually down on the ground, it is an old airfield. I mean, I, you know, but it's nice because it's close to where I live. So I get to go home at night. And, it's a bonus. Yes. Especially with all these races. Mm. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, you've both been in the sport for quite a while, around roughly 30 years, give or take. So I think it's story time. I might regret this, but you've got the floor now. What was Formula One like back in the day? Um, and Tommy, let's keep it clean. That was definitely <laughs> uh, a lot more fun. Even though we were shooting film back then, obviously we'd probably leave the circuit quite early because we didn't have to hang around to transmit too many pictures, probably transmitting 10 pictures a day or something like that. So um, we, we have, we'd go out and we'd go out more, basically, wouldn't we, and, and have yeah. some fun. So uh, You'd go and find out where you were. You'd go and explore. Yeah. So, for instance, in, in Rio, when you used to go to the Brazilian Grand Prix in Rio, you'd kind of end up down on the beach, at Barra Beach or whatever, with a few Caipirinhas and mm. um, meet up with some of the locals. But also you'd yeah. sometimes hang well, out with the drivers. You know, <laughs> you'd, you'd go to the, was it the Transamericana in um, Sao Paulo. Yeah, the hotel I mean, Transamerica yeah, and the drivers would yeah, be staying yeah. there. Yeah, so we'd all hang out. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was a lot, lot easier to get on with the drivers. The drivers weren't so private then, you know, they trusted you. There wasn't as no many photographers media. either. There wasn't many photographers. So, you know, you had a good good laugh. You go out with the drivers, you know, sometimes. And yeah, it was, it was pretty good, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I remember really going, to see, uh, going to see a band in, 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 um, in San Paolo with, with Damon um, and a couple of other drivers. I think Johnny Herbert was there. And we went and saw, saw a sort of a, Brazilian sort of rock band with a bit of a Latin and it, and it was a brilliant, brilliant yeah. night, you know, and that was, that was cool. But other things, I mean, there's a, one, one funny story was when <clears throat> one of my first races in Barcelona was, uh, I was standing outside, Bernie Eccleston used to have a bus. It was the Bernie bus. It was called, you know, and I was standing outside that just minding my own business and the door opened. You're like, 
And Bernie appeared like that. He went, hey, you, come here. And I said, I said well, me? I looked around, I thought, it's got to be someone else. I said, yeah, you, come here. He said, uh, uh, the King of Spain's coming around in a minute, as you do, you know, like King of Spain, you can wander past uh, I need a pitch doing. We're going to we're signing the contract for the, uh, you know, to exit. I'm like, he said, oh, so you can do the pitch. All right. I said, yeah, 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 no problem. I'm like, I, I said, where are we doing? He said, in the bus. <laughs> and I, I hadn't got a flash kit on me or anything. So like, there's no, not enough available light in, you know, in the no press. I'm like, like, I'm like, shit. I said, I wonder how long it's going to be because I've got to go up to the press room, which was probably about 400 metres away from the bus. So the thing is, do I leg it? to the press room to get the flash and then miss the pitch and be banned from F1 forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I tapped on the door and the door opened. And it goes, what? He didn't actually speak like that. He said, what? I said, I've got to go and get a flash gun. He said, why haven't you got one on you? I said, because I don't carry a flash gun. So I, I ran and got, I said, I'm going. He said, I said, how long got it? He said, just got five or 10 minutes. So I ran and got this flash gun. I absolutely hammered it up, fell over the stairs going up, cut my knee. <laughs> got, ran, ran to the, got into my locker, come back with a flash gun, got downstairs. And then like the entourage of, with the king, the bodyguards and all that sort of stuff come along with King Spain, door open, Pasquale, who's, you know, his lieutenant or whatever it was. Yeah, come on, come and do this picture. I had, I couldn't, I didn't even work out, you know, like the, the exposure. It was just like, do it. And it's like, so the king's, this contract. Okay, get them to us as soon as possible. You know, like that. And I'm like, I'm not even sure if I exposed it right. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, but, but that was, oh, oh the other thing was, uh, what I forgot to say was the, the funny bits is when I said, I've got to go and get this flash gun, the door closed and it opened again. He went, oh, by the way, he said, don't, up. <laughs> so even more pressure there. Uh, so yeah, I mean that was uh, that was quite stressful. Too, but it was all right. Everything turned out okay, you know. And the King of Spain was all right as well. And that's why you're still here. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, but Bernie was Peas in a pod, even Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, keeping it to F1. Then, what do you think the best year for Formula One was? It can be personally, it can be professionally. For me professionally was when Red Bull won the first world championship. 2010. Yeah. Is it that long ago? Crikey. Yeah. It was like a mad roller coaster uh, of a weekend. So this um, was in Abu Dhabi? Because well, we didn't know, you know, I mean, I think, was it, was a lot, could have been Alonso. It could have been Weber. Well, Red Bull and, had already won the constructors. Yeah. So it could have been, but it could have been, which is obviously. It could have been what, three or yeah, four so times. So it could have been three. I think it was, it was Alonso, Weber or. Vettel. Vettel. And I think someone else was in there as well. And no, no, I think Alonso was literally winning the world championship for quite a while with, until about 10 laps until to go. He, no, I think it was before he pitted and then like yeah. they put him out. No, no, Weber pitted and he reacted yeah. and he got stuck behind Petrov. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't remember, but I remember like being in the, in the middle of the middle bit in Abu Dhabi and some guy saying to me, you better get your ass back to the pits. You know, Vettel's going to win a championship. And I was like, oh, I was, you know what I mean? I was heading back anyway, but suddenly then you're like, it's heightened. Like, this is crazy. the fastest thing yeah, to work. Yeah. And it was just amazing, like that whole thing, just because, you know, that whole few days after that, there was a massive party in uh, in the hotel next to the track. It was insane. I mean, like, Seb was a nightmare with the Jaeger bombs, but like, <laughs> and, that, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm at this party, it's like, it's like half five, the party's still going. I was doing the caterpillar across the floor. Someone picked me up and said, Tomo, they literally picked me up and said, Tomo, you're on a flight uh, in an hour. And I was like, you what? So I, I hadn't even packed or anything. But, but, so I had to leave the party, 
jump in the shower, stick everything in a case, and jump on a on a plane with Mount Weber, Seb, Christian, a helmet. We're all on this thing and in first class, which was brilliant. And, and they um, put you there too. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I said, there was a newspaper on on the plane. By the time we got on the plane, there was a newspaper, and it was the Times, and it had my picture of Seb on the back page, lifting up. Like insane, like must have been like the first edition after the race, like yeah, you know, like it was on that on that on an it was on an Emirates flight, and uh, I think we got it from Dubai uh, when we, by the time we got there. So they had the times there, and it was like, and so I did a picture of Seb sitting on the plane with the the times yes, and my yes, picture, I've seen this, yeah. my picture on the back cover, and uh, and and, and Weber was like. Somehow, you stink of alcohol. <laughs> and I'm like, and That's I'm not like, the first time or last and, and time he said and, that. And, and, and you could just see Seb just, just put the paper down and he went, and it, knowing it was his fault, you know, we were yeah. all still we were all still drunk basically, apart from Helmet and Christian. Obviously, they were all right, but, but that was that was kind of the most amazing thing. And then we went from there, went to went back to Munich, and then we flew to Salzburg to uh, the headquarters of, of Red Bull, did a thing there, and then there was. Um, Another all-nighter after mm. that, thanks to DC and Weber. Uh, so no, no sleep, basically, for 48 hours. And then we landed back at Milton Keynes and the whole factory were out. It was just insane. And uh, I mean, I, I hadn't slept for hours. I got home and I slept for three days, I think. So, But that was great, you know, because it was so monumental for the team. It, it had been building up to that, you know yeah. what I mean? And it, and it, and it, was, it was absolutely incredible. Um, so for me, that's my best memory because, you know, I'd done a lot, a lot of time before that working in F1 for Jaguar and a bit of stuff for Benetton. And uh, I wasn't with Benetton when they won the World Championship. So it was good because that was my first, you know, first World Championship and uh, and long may it continue. Yeah, it's something you're a part of as well. Yeah. And, he, yeah, and now they gave you a shirt. Yeah, with my name on it. So <laughs> I, mean, I, think that's, I think they're trying to pension me off now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, so no. I mean, I'm, I'm embedded with the team now, so uh, it's all cool. It's very busy days these days. And Foxy, yours must have been Monza 2020 then. When you guys yeah. won. Yeah, well, that was magic. <laughs> that I have was. to say, it was just a real shame that... Uh, it was COVID times. There was COVID times and, the, and there was no, no Tifosi. Um, but that was all I knew. All those pictures, they're, all, they're pretty much like all I knew, like those pictures that Tom was talking about, like get that from Pierre when, after his one. Yeah. yeah. Get, the, I mean, get was, the team photo. Yeah. That was that was actually a really lovely time because obviously the the um, Toro Rosso Alpha Tauri team haven't had the success of Red Bull, but doesn't mean they don't work as hard to try and get that exactly, success. Yeah. Even and harder, probably. Even in a, a way, the, the the teams and like the mechanics, or anyone involved, but especially the mechanics <laughs> further down the grid are the heroes, really, because without them, there isn't a sport. And they don't get the recognition, they don't get the bonuses, or they they're working for just points. And actually, sometimes. sometimes they're working. You know, they have to do more because they've got younger drivers who are like learning their craft. So they tend to crash the car a bit more, maybe, or there's just, it, it. It's just very difficult. So when they won that race at home like that, that was quite magic to see them so happy. I remember photographing them under the podium. And because there was no one else there, it was actually quite nice in that That's respect special. because yeah. it was just them. They were the Tifosi. They were like, it was like the whole place was full of Tifosi again in that moment because the passion 
and the relief and the fun and the joy. And that was really nice to be part it's quite of. Funny that. watching Foxy running around there. Then, like he was like manic. He looked like you know Captain Cape. His hair was sticking out <laughs> as it more than normal. His eyes were bulging. Like I can't believe it. You know, that, that was that was funny. I was like, calm down. We've all been there before. <laughs> well, I've Stop become Italian. I know you did. I've become yeah, Italian. Yeah, yeah. Working like, with an Italian team got, all gone these into years. that. Yeah. And, uh, but the other side of the other great win was when Seb won as well, you know, for you guys, when it was uh, yeah. um, Toro Rosso. I mean, that was a pretty amazing thing as well, you know, to win that race in, in the wet and stuff. So. That, that's, that for me, you know, obviously the uh, uh, Toro Rosso and Alpha Tower haven't had the success, obviously, of Red Bull, but it's still magic to be part of the Red Bull family because there is just a buzz about it. There's a real presence about being yeah. part of Red Bull. They do things differently as well. They do they do, do things differently yeah. and they do it well. And for me, being part of the Italian team and the, the, like the little brother or the little sister or whatever, it's still just as enjoyable as Tomo's winning world championships yeah. because you're with people with passion and that's what the sport is all about and that's what we're all about. Yeah. You know, sometimes you think, oh, God, have I really got to go and, you know, go and stand out this corner? It's a grey day and it's not very inspiring. Mm. And then you just take a step back and you're like, actually, this is amazing. Especially when something like that happens and, you know, you, you have a different story to tell and you realise that everyone wants to be here doing this. You know, we really are very, very lucky. And I also, just, just one thing, it, it does feel very special, I think, to be a team photographer. You know, and there's nothing, on a serious note, I mean, I don't take that for granted, mm. neither does Foxy. And sometimes, you know, it, it, all the things I've done, you know, World Cups and all that sort of stuff, and I still kind of have to pinch myself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, sometimes when you've had a, a shit race or whatever, and you, that does happen photographically and yeah. other stuff's not gone your way and stuff, your camera's a footbreaker. You sit down and you think, well, I'm still part of this incredible team. You'll go again the yeah. next week. Yeah. And, well, uh, you're kind of like family because yeah. we spend so much time yeah. away from home. We all become like this rather large dysfunctional family. Yeah. And well, you end up, you know, you kind of... <laughs> you he's the dysfunctional one in the dysfunctional family. He's the dysfunctional one, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, you know, he's got issues, let's be honest. Look, <laughs> you want, I wouldn't take that, Foxy. Look at him. He's on, you know? Look at him. Look. But he just wants a shirt with his name on it. So if you can sort that out. <laughs> you know, there's a, we've got a party to go to. You know that, don't you? Yeah. So not that I drink. No, not at all. With two hands anymore. But you, you have, you have, you have moved us on. But Foxy, your favourite year in F1? Oh God, uh, I can't. I, do you know what? They kind of sixty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's, they've all got magic moments. It's very difficult because obviously <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously wasn't mega. That was a magic, magic yeah. year. I've not had that kind of connection with the team and that kind of success. Um, so for me, it's, it, I mean, okay, 2016, when they bought out the uh, the new cars, when they, uh, is it, it was 2016. No, what, what new cars are you talking about? The the aero package or the? No, the engines, the. Um, 14. Is that 14? Yeah. All right. So it was when they brought those cars out and the, the sound was completely different. I loved the fact that they were so quiet. I loved the fact they were so like, they sounded so sci-fi. You could hear the brakes, the arrows, the... They're locking up. You, but you could hear the car working. You could hear the aerodynamics. You can hear the came... nerd now, people. <laughs> but it was great because you didn't need to wear earplugs. <laughs> so you could go around the track without the earplugs in yeah. and get a real, real sort of like understanding of the, of the advancement in the technology. 
I mean, the old cars sound great, don't get me wrong, but I did enjoy that just because it was so different. But actually, you know, it's, it's all great. And just before we go, a lot of people listening would be aspiring photographers themselves. What advice would you give them if they wanted to become a professional sports or for Formula One Start shooting the lower formulas, you know, go to a go-karting track. You know, yeah. I, get, I get a lot of uh, people contact me uh, on Instagram saying, hey, you know, I want to be a Formula One photographer or I want to be a football photographer. I know certain other uh, photographers like Clive Mason does a lot of stuff there and contacts him. It's always the same thing. You can't jump straight in. You, you know, if you, you've got to start, not at the bottom, but you've got to start doing basic stuff, you know. If you want to be a sports photographer, go and photograph your local rugby club, you know. Yeah, exactly. Do that. Go and photograph a, a local football team, you know, like a, like a you know, someone that's not quite in the football league. Learn your trade that way. And it's easier now. It's cheaper because, you know, you haven't got to process film and stuff. Exactly. Like build a portfolio. Yeah. And talk to people. Talk to other photographers, you know. Um, ask their advice. Um, but you're not going to jump straight into fun. I mean, some people have done that, I think, one or two people. But, you know. Or bribe us, you know, and we were open to bribery and corruption, you know. <laughs> I'm joking. That's not true and it's not good. So um, don't go into Tomo's DMs and offer him bribes. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. At uh, Tomo F1. But I think just, just basically, and love, <laughs> and just, and don't do it because you're, you want to be, you're, if you're a fan of F1, it's kind of harder, I think. You know, if you're an Uber fan and you want to do it, that make, I think that makes it harder. You've got to love photography first and foremost and then find out what you want to take pictures of. I wanted to be uh, a guy called Kevin Cummins, who's a music photographer. He's, he's the guy that shot all the covers for the enemy and stuff like that. That was what I wanted to do. Um, unfortunately, I never made it into music photography, so I got this side of it. But it's, it's you know, it, it's still been great for me. You know, I love it. So, But it's probably the fact that I'm not a massive petrol head that's made me a little bit more successful because you don't get you know daunted by it mm-hmm. yeah exactly Foxy, you want to jump in on that um no really he's kind of nailed it to be honest one thing i'd like to add before we don't think you've got to buy the best equipment you don't think you've got to buy that fifteen thousand pound 600 millimeter lens definitely not it, that's just going to constrict you when you start so you know essentially a camera is a box mm-hmm. light comes in and it's recorded, whether it's on a, uh, a card or a film, that's how it works. So, that, you know, the equipment doesn't make the photographer. No, not at all. You know. Not at all. And, yeah, let's, uh, let's have some magic moments. Indeed. Magic <laughs> moments. <laughs> Just before it goes too much into singing, I think it's time to cut it off there. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. So that is all the time that we have for today's show. Guys, a big thank you to you both for staying late at the track to do this. It's very much appreciated. Pleasure. Cool. Make sure you subscribe to Terry Talk on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. That way you'll get all the episodes as they drop. Until next time, it's bye for now. Bye. 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 <laughs> yeah.